3: Late today, Chris
1: Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words if it doesn't fit, you must acquit.
2: Hey, welcome back. Make sure you follow the show on social media: Facebook and Instagram, CaseWatch Podcast, Twitter, CaseWatch Pod. You want to follow us personally on Instagram? I am at notmarkb. Charity is at charity underscore case watch. Uh, going to go ahead right at the top here and let you guys all know that me and charity are social distance recording. Unfortunately, yes. I have COVID. He does. So it is what so. it is. So we just make the most of it and move on. But we're going to make sure our crime creeps get their case watch fixed.
3: Absolutely. And Happy New Year, everyone, by the way.
2: Yes. Happy New Year. We 100% intended on doing a live stream for New Year, uh, unfortunately. Well, you just heard that's why we did not yes. get it done. So we'll make it up to you. Yes. We promise.
3: We promise.
2: All right, Charity. So what's new?
3: Well, I got some new cases coming up, Mark.
2: Excellent. Would you like to inform us on what's going on?
3: Um after maybe I cheer you up with some triple D's.
2: Yes, that is the cure for the common cold. We'll see if it cures my COVID.
3: (laughs) All right, let's give it a try. So here's the first one. In 2011, police in Derbyshire, UK used a free craft of beer to trick wanted criminals. The police were fed up chasing fugitives in the country, and they lacked the resources and manpower to launch a wide-scale manhunt. Instead, they sent letters to dozens of suspects, which invited them to call a marketing company that was offering a free craft of beer. When a criminal called the number, they would unknowingly be put through to Chesterfield Police Station. The officers pretended to be sales reps of the fictional company and arranged a time and place for the suspects to pick up their free alcohol. A total of 19 wanted fugitives fell for the trick and when they arrived at the different locations to collect their beer, all they found was a police welcome party.
2: I love it. I've said this once before that this has been a trick that's been pulled so many times. Like, hey, you've won this jackpot or you've won this. At one point back on like Unsolved Mysteries, they used to, I don't even think it was Unsolved Mysteries. What was that one where oh, the guy's son got taken from a um,
3: oh oh gosh I I know exactly what you're talking about my mind can't John think right
2: Walsh now. whatever show he was yes. on yeah he used to yes. play these where they would show these guys coming in like hey one uh, tickets to the game and they're like hey you're under arrest you're going to jail I love it these are the things that make me happy when I hear
3: well you know what gets me Mark it's <laughs> it's a free craft of beer it's not like it's tickets it's not like it's money it's just a craft of beer. It's like it takes such a little bit to get these people to to just call a number for no reason.
2: Well, most people when they hear they want something, it doesn't matter what it is, they want it. Like it doesn't matter that, what it is. You that's true. It, that's
3: a very good point.
2: It's yours. everyone likes to win free stuff. Oh, I do. If anybody wants to give me free stuff, reach on out to me. I love <laughs> free stuff.
3: So the title of this one is "The Great Donkey Robbery." Doesn't go as planned. When robbers plan a heist, <laughs> one of the main considerations is a getaway vehicle. Ideally, you'll have a car waiting outside, ready to move as soon as you enter the car with loot. Three criminals who committed a grocery store robbery in Juan de Acosta, Colombia, in January 2013, learned the importance of a clean getaway the hard way. First, the trio stole a donkey. Apparently, they believed he would make a good getaway vehicle as their main target was a grocery store. The robbery at the grocery store went pretty well as they broke in at 2 a.m. and stole rice, oil, rum sardines in other goods the next step was a disaster they loaded their goods on the back of the donkey hoping he would quietly walk with them out of the town the angry donkey had other ideas and started braying loudly alerting the police
2: oh my god i love that one charity that's great
3: i mean first of all i wouldn't know how to handle a donkey would you
2: i've watched I mean, maybe shrek. you would, i don't know i've seen shrek so i'd be like
3: hey donkey oh my god Hey-ha! that is awesome <laughs> Well, the donkey wasn't happy they were loading all those things on him, apparently. So,
2: Oh, definitely. Too bad for them. Oh, well. They hey, got caught. Stupid criminal oh, well. every day. Got another one?
3: Um, I sure do. Police say Leroy Bridgman, 57, and Marcy Young, 61, tried to steal jewelry from the Diamonds Rock in Kenwood, Ohio. Surveillance video shows a man, who investigators say is Bridgman, smash through the front door and use a crowbar and screwdriver to unlock a second door. He then looks for the right showcase to break into. He grabbed what he could, and you can see in the film that he's trying to pull some rings, pendants, and other things out. Then you can see that the police are coming. You can tell he's trying to quickly get out of the building. Store owner Mike Lane told TV station WLWT. Investigators say Bridgman and Young tried to make it to their getaway vehicle by going down a stairwell. But when they realized the stairwell didn't lead there, they hopped into an elevator. But the elevator got stuck at the garage level. Investigators say once they realized they were stuck, they tried to stash the jewelry into the ceiling. They were eventually rescued by the fire department that arrested. (laughs) I
2: love it. (laughs) But at least their escape vehicle wasn't a freaking donkey this time. The was I still can't get over by. that. I love that one. That's my favorite.
3: I have another one. And this one I saved because I was literally laughing by myself when I was reading this one for the first time.
2: Well, all right. So I think we'll you'll see if thing. you unseat my favorite because I have a favorite one and I'll tell you what my favorite triple D of all time we've done so far is after this one.
3: Okay. 41 year old Martin Skelly was arrested after showing up to a McDonald's with a drug filled needle. After being arrested on charges of possession in methamphetamine, he was searched and booked into county jail. Authorities asked Skelly if he had any additional contraband on him, to which he replies, no. According to the affidavit, when he was processed into jail, a small bag of meth was found wedged deep within the belly button cavity.
2: (laughs) How deep is this dude's belly button?
3: (laughs) He's a large, large man. That's all I'm saying. Wow. I was just being dumb and not thinking, the man said when the drugs were discovered. The belly button meth stash resulted in two additional felony charges.
2: (laughs) Man, that's a stash for sure. He stashed it in the gas. Uh,
3: (laughs) I wonder how much was in there. And to your point, this, this was some cavity, man. (laughs)
2: <laughs> this is nuts though. This is funny, but this does not unseat my number one. So far, my All still right, well, all-time favorite Triple D is where they broke in and they stole the guy's ashes and they were smoking the guy's ashes. Every time I hear that oh one, my God. I laugh my butt off. It's my favorite one that you've one, ever done.
3: That one was definitely wild. Can you imagine how you'd feel after? Oh my God. No. Yeah, that one's a good one. I'd have to think. I got to think on it a little bit because I, I have a couple of different favorite ones. So.
2: They're all my favorites. Oh, Triple definitely. D is my favorite thing.
3: Exactly. Me too.
2: All right, Charity, what do you have for us this week?
3: Well, Mark, we got a lot of really fun uh, responses to the weird history that we read about. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Few yes. few episodes back. So I went ahead and gathered some more because I really enjoyed finding them as well and actually found them to be very interesting. We've so had I thought a we lot of responses
2: in our social media about those. So people seem to really dig yeah. them.
3: Just fun, you know?
2: Yes, definitely.
3: So uh, let me just start right out, I guess.
2: All right, Charity, take it away.
3: Everyone knows who Charlie Chaplin is, right? Yes, I would assume. I mean, he thought it would be fun to enter a Charlie Chaplin look-alike contest. This was during his most popular time. He competed along with all the other look-alikes, and unfortunately, he came in twentieth place. That's awesome. In his right, in his defense. He didn't have a mustache and wasn't wearing his boots while performing his own trademark walk. But how funny is that? Like, he invented that trademark walk and wearing those boots and his mustache and all that stuff. And he came in 20th, not even like you'd think he'd be in the top 10, right?
2: I have I two. Really I have two. Side stories on this actually. So I'm a YouTube freak, as most people who know me know. There's a video of Jewel who goes and does karaoke dressed up as somebody else, and they're all were like, Oh my god, you're so much better than Jewel. Like you're amazing. And then she later she came back as herself and sung and all these people were like, Oh my God, there was somebody like you here earlier. And there's another oh video uh, that Adele did where she competed to be one of the Adele's, which were like one of the lookalikes. And she was just in there like mucking it up with all these ladies and they there. You could tell they were not having any part of her because she was good. And they all freaked out at the end when they found out it was her, you Definitely go check it out on YouTube. They're both worth a watch.
3: Oh my God, I'm going to, definitely. I love stuff like that. Oh, I do too. It just goes to show you, right? Like people, I don't know. It just cracks me up. It really does. So here's another one. When you think of the Victorian England, what comes to mind? Old Victorian England, Mark, what comes to mind?
2: I think of nice Victorian houses. I think of castles. I think of all that stuff.
3: Yeah, you think of royalty, refinement, etiquette. Correct. That's why i was extremely shocked to find out that a common fashion trend of that era was to pierce one's nipples really you heard it nipple piercings for everyone
2: yeah i've never been into what do you think of that i don't know i've never been into it kind of makes me think different of cinderella
3: right right can you imagine like you see these like these stately women who be beautiful walking around perfect and they could have had their nips pierced under their dresses
2: that's crazy I wonder what else. I thought here. that was
3: bizarre. Yeah. I know. I'm going to have to keep looking things up to find out what else is going on.
2: Like I've said once before, your search history must be scary.
3: Yeah, I hope I never <laughs> get like in trouble with the law or anything cuz I would be scared for people to find out what I've searched. <laughs> It'd
2: be actually kind of funny. We should do a contest it's- where you let people look at your history for 10 minutes.
3: <laughs> I'd rather it be for one minute, Mark.
2: <laughs> all right. That's awesome. all right.
3: So here's another and even another one at one point back in the day, 1820 to be exact, tomatoes were feared and said to be evil. Yes, they you are. wouldn't want to get too close. <laughs> you don't like tomatoes? Oh, they're gross. Oh, so you find them to be evil as well.
2: Yeah, they're disgusting.
3: Well, yours is just because of taste. this, they literally were feared these tomatoes. So you wouldn't want to get too close to one, and to eat one would be crazy, as it was known that these evil little red fruits would be poisonous. Who knows who started this rumor, but boy, did it spread? Robert Gibbon Johnson ate an entire basketful of these killers in front of a crowd of people in Salem, New Jersey. Guess what?
2: Uh, did he die?:
3: Nope. He didn't die at all. And the crowd was actually shocked and elated because they could now start consuming the tomatoes again.
2: Dude, what was this dude thinking? If he loved tomatoes that much, he should have just rolled with it and been like, yeah, they're horrible. And then just took them all. Be like, I'm going to destroy them. And he would have had all the tomatoes for himself.
3: Maybe he was a tomato salesman.
2: Could be. Like, I remember like being grossed out because my mom would bite them like apples and put, I don't know. I think it was like sugar on them and eat them. And it's just like, ew, you're gross. That's disgusting. <laughs>
3: All right. I'm gonna stick up for the tomato right now because I I actually enjoy a good tomato.
2: Charity, are you part of big tomato conglomerate?
3: I mean, I can't confirm or deny.
2: That's so the proper I'm just going to response. Quiet about that. That's a good one. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have one more tidbit for us. The Battle of Bull Run was called, quote unquote, the picnic battle. Do you wanna know why?
2: No. The, of course uh, you do. The picnic basket? <laughs> I had to. <laughs> no. Of course I want to know. So this
3: battle took place during the American Civil War. And the reason for its nickname was the families of this community went on picnics and sat on the sidelines to watch as if it was a play or show. Congressmen and their families were at these picnics along with the wealthy and everyday civilians. Wasn't anyone afraid they would get hit by a stray bullet?
2: Hello. This is nuts, dude.
3: And you bring your kids. Oh, let's go watch people get killed.
2: Well, back in the Roman Empire, they used to go and watch people joust and fight to death. So we are definitely a weird culture. That's for sure.
3: I guess this just proves it.
2: (laughs) Everything we talk about proves how weird we are on a daily basis.
3: I mean, you and I personally. Correct. Yes.
2: (laughs) All right. Next. What do you got for us, Charity? Next. At Parker, our purpose is simple.
3: I have a horrific story to get into.
2: Of course you do. That search history is going crazy.
3: So today, Mark, we're going to be talking about a man named Joe Metheny. And his nickname is, quote unquote, the cannibal.
2: Huh. All right. You got me there already?
3: Yeah. I got myself when I read it. This one's uh. I don't know. They, I say that about them all. So I just should probably just stop saying that and just get right into it. So Joseph Metheny was born on March 2nd, 1955 in Baltimore, Maryland. He was one of six children. His father died in a car accident when Metheny was just six years old. It was said that up until his death, he was a raging alcoholic and was very abusive to his family. I wonder if the car accident was due to drunk driving. I actually tried to look into that to see if I could find any information on that, and I couldn't. Yeah, it so it wonder, almost too. sounds like it was a blessing. I mean I don't know but again we hear this a lot right that the family lives are not good at all for these people that
2: it's they follow a similar template no matter which case we're discussing they're very similar in that aspect
3: they are and again we're not saying that every person who comes from a home that wasn't great turns into a a killer because there's many people that come from a bad upbringing who go on to do wonderful things in life so we're not saying that. Correct. Metheny's mother worked more than one job and took on double shifts. She would work as a waitress, a barmaid, and a food truck driver. Due to having to work all these jobs to support her six children, you can imagine she wasn't home much. Metheny makes claims that his mother neglected her children and even sent them away to live with relatives. He also said his mother had died. This would be a lie, and his mother would deny all claims of abuse, saying they were a poor family, and she was out of the house frequently because of having to work all of these jobs. So he's... Putting a lot of blame on his mother, you know, saying that it, you know, she was never home. She, you know, was neglective of us, and she shipped us off with other family members. And this was all proven to be untrue. She wasn't home a lot because she had to work a lot. She was a single mother.
2: Yeah, she was Can trying to provide for the kids? kids. Yeah, I get it. People That's like this I mean. need to kind of make it like, oh, it's not my fault. Look over there, that person—that they're the reason why I'm doing this.
3: Exactly. So it's the blame game, you know. No one wants to take responsibility in life for what they have become. True. When Metheny turned 18 in 1973, he would join the U.S. Army. Again, another one who shouldn't be (laughs) taught how to use firearms. Correct. He would later tell stories of serving in Vietnam, claims that were likely untrue following the timeline of the United States involvement. His mother said he actually served in Germany while in the army. She also said that after joining the military, she would almost never hear from her son. She has said he just kept drifting further and further away. So it sounds like he went off into the military and started to really distance himself from his family. And, you know, try to go off and start a new life, maybe. I don't know. After leaving the military, Metheny would become addicted to drugs and alcohol and would spend any penny he earned on his addictions. He would stay around the Maryland area, moving from homeless shelter to homeless shelter. During this time, he did have a job as a forklift operator at a wooden pallet company. So he was able to hold down a job, even though he was an alcoholic, it sounded like, and he was addicted to drugs. So he continued to work. So I guess. I don't know. I guess he has a good work ethic.
2: I don't know. A forklift operator isn't exactly a wonderful job. I assume. Have you ever seen the videos well, of when they like knock over the entire like factory? Like they, they oh, that would be me wall, for sure. They they bump into a rack and then all of a sudden that one falls and then it hits <laughs> no, the one next to it and then it hits the other one. I love those. That
3: would that would totally be me. And I just thought of something. Operating a forklift under the influence cannot be good for anyone involved. Ah, uh, no. You could like run somebody over. Oh yeah. It reminds me of like in the Austin Powers movie. Have you seen those? Please tell me you've seen those. I've only
2: movie. seen bits and pieces.
3: Oh, okay. Because there's one where the guy's driving like a cement roller and it's literally like, looks like it's a mile away and it's going two miles an hour. And, and the guy's like, no, stop. You're going to run me over. That's what I picture.
2: That's awesome.
3: <laughs> Moving forward to 1994, Metheny was now living in South Baltimore, Maryland with his crack addict, quote unquote, old lady, O-L-E, lady. And their six-year-old son yikes he reproduced (laughs) this sounds like a scary situation yeah oh my god in fact he had three children with his wife july of 1994 metheny now a truck driver would come home from a long day working overtime he would turn the light on and realize his old lady and son were nowhere to be found he would later say she was a crack addict and worthless piece of Oh, he didn't care that she left, but did care that she took his son. So apparently he wanted his son to stay with him, even though clearly it sounds like this was not a home for a child to be raised in. But he came home from work one day and poof, the son and the wife were gone. He's also said... All she had to do was take my son over to my mother's house and she could have everything else and be done. To make matters worse, Metheny would find out six months later she was with another crack addict living across town. So this would just fuel his fire. And honestly, it probably sounds like it would have been much better if the son was dropped off at his mother's house. But again, he's not taking any responsibility either. He's mad she took the son but knew the son shouldn't be with them. None of of these stories always
2: add up, though. They never do.
3: True, that. Very true. The couple were caught doing drugs, and Metheny's son was taken away by child services. This would make him extremely angry. So angry, he would decide to go look for them on the other side of town. And he would, of course, on this hunt, bring with him an axe, you know, just for good measure, Mark.
2: Yeah, because whenever he you go hunting, you, you know, want to go chop some wood too.
3: Exactly. With pure rage, Metheny would spend days looking for his wife and her new lover. He would look in more than one halfway house as he knew they had no home. And when that didn't work, he would look for them under a bridge. This was a bridge that Metheny knew his ex had gone to to do drugs in the past. His wife and her new man would be nowhere in sight. Instead, he would come upon two homeless men, probably just seeking shelter. Instead of just questioning them and leaving to look elsewhere, Bethany would convince himself that the homeless men did drugs with his wife and likely knew where she was. For this reason, these poor homeless men would be bludgeoned to death with the axe. Oh, wow. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time.
2: Here I was thinking you were basically saying one of the plot lines to one of my favorite songs, and then you had to go and mention the axe.
3: Yeah, sorry about that. You know,
2: <laughs> under the bridge downtown is where oh I... I love Red Hot Chili Peppers, so you had me right there. I, I actually you were do going too. With.
3: I immediately have the picture. Who's the lead singer?
2: Anthony Kiedis.
3: Yeah, without his shirt on and his long hair He's blowing in like the wind this. in that video. <laughs> you guys can't see what Mark's doing, but I can, and it's fantastic.
2: I remember like the colors all messed up in that video because they were doing all this weird stuff. Surprisingly oh, enough, right. Kristen doesn't like him. She not really yeah she's weird with her music I'm
3: actually shocked at that
2: yeah she could take him or leave him really Wow
3: interesting. Metheny finished this act and was ready to move on with his search. He stopped although when he noticed there was a man fishing near the bridge. this man was in the wrong place at the wrong time. he most likely didn't see the heinous murders, but Metany couldn't take the chance and would kill him as well. Freaked out by what he had just done metheny would quickly realize he had to get rid of the bodies he would simply toss all three bodies in the river he would be caught and arrested for murdering the two homeless men and have to hang out in jail for a year and a half waiting until his trial mark because he dumped all the bodies there would be no physical evidence that he was the one that committed the act for this reason he would be acquitted and sent back out to search for his wife and find out where his son was located. Can you believe this?
2: That's crazy.
3: They must have had an, enough, I don't know, hearsay or whatever to arrest him in the first place. Cause That's you can't what just I was going to say.
2: They arrested him on something. So, he was in jail for a year. I'm dumbfounded by this.
3: Me too. I couldn't believe that. I was like, what the heck? Oh my gosh. While hunting, Metheny, filled with so much anger, would murder two prostitutes. I guess he was afraid of almost getting caught, as he did before. So he would bring the women's dead bodies back to his home. Things are now going to start getting interesting.
2: All right, guys, you've known Charity long enough now to know that means things are going to start getting gross.
3: Yeah, I like to use the word interesting because, you know, it just gives a little heads up, you know? (laughs) to what's coming he would dismember their bodies keeping the quote unquote good meat grinding it up mixing it in with pork then making some nice burger patties to store in his freezer who would even think to do that
2: i yeah you got me
3: and especially he got away the first time with just dumping them.
2: Yeah, he did get away with it the first time, but he did get arrested. So maybe this is his little insurance policy to make sure that there's nothing for them to find this time.
3: I mean, that's excessive, though. He's not just dismembering them. He's making their meat into food patties. But
2: he Ugh, got pork in more. it, so that's gross. Uh,
3: oh, I like, yeah, he mixed the pork with it, you know, just to make sure it was all mixed in.
2: Gross. Ew
3: disgusting but hey guys guess what we're gonna leave this with a cliffhanger because we're gonna make this into a two-parter because you know of the the COVID and the such we don't want to stress mark out too much with some long episodes we want to keep them a little shorter this week so we appreciate you all of you crime creeps understanding that
2: yeah, thank you, guys. Like, I literally, it was all I could to get up and get in front of the computer today. So, as always, guys, thanks for listening to the episode. The text and voicemail line is 603 4600 Email is info at casewatchpodcast.com. Visit our website for links to all of our merch and stickers. Plus, you can also join the exclusive Crime Creep Club by clicking on the Buy Us a Coffee tab. All that and more, www.casewatchpodcast.com. We'll see you later. Have a good one.
3: Bye, guys.
2: See ya.